God trustworthy? I think we often don't like asking that question because it seems sort of absurd for us as Christians to ask. Maybe if we were back in ancient Greece and Zeus was the God we were talking about, then that's that's a relevant question because it's not exactly clear that Zeus is very trustworthy. In fact, he seems not to be trustworthy. But as Christians, when we talk about the Trinitarian God that we believe in, yes, he's by, by nature trustworthy. By his various existence, he has to be trustworthy. He's perfect in every way. Yet, we know from every experience that we've had that we don't live the, in a way that, that we actually believe that God is trustworthy. We don't entrust ourselves to him. After World War II, there was a group of rabbis that spoke out not about losing their faith in God's existence. They still believed that God existed, but they didn't trust his providence. So they asked, how could the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob let the Holocaust happen to his chosen people? Not just anyone. It's not the question of the problem of evil, but his people who were, who were trusting in him to care for them. How could he let this happen to them? And so they wanted nothing to do with such a God. And so that kind of shows us that faith is more of an existential thing for us than, than just to believe in God's existence. We look at our lives and we see that in certain places we might entrust ourselves a little bit to God's providence, but in many places we, we just don't. And so what's going on there? Uh, we see from the reading of Jeremiah, his call, which is one of the most beautiful calls in all the scriptures, you know, that that God had formed him in the womb for this, for this mission. That from before he existed, God had a plan for his life. And he tells him that. Uh, and Jeremiah, we, we miss out on his, on his response. We, I don't know why it's not in the reading. It kind of skips forward a little bit. But Jeremiah's response is, Lord, I, I can't do this mission you're calling me to. I don't, I'm too young. I don't know how to speak. And so the Lord... And calls him out, you see that, that Jeremiah knows the Lord, but doesn't trust his will for him. And I love the Lord's response, which is actually, actually in the reading today. He says, be not crushed, as though I would leave you crushed. So he's telling Jeremiah, like, don't trust my plan for you because, because you have the tools at hand to accomplish the plan I have for you. Trust my plan for you because it's my plan. Uh, because I am God. And my plan is the only plan worth uh, undertaking. So we all kind of live in this, in this in-between, between trusting the Lord and not trusting the Lord and, and searching for faith. And those who transcend that, you know, those who abandon themselves entirely to the Lord are saints. And so that's kind of what we're striving for, but it's not obviously where we're at. But that raises the question for us, like, what is faith? And so I think today it's worth taking a look at faith and kind of trying to figure out what it is and then, and then hopefully learning something by that. We, we often do talk about it as more than just whether or not you believe in God. We do ask, you know, Lord, increase my faith. Give me more faith. So we talk about it in amounts. And so we understand something about that. Uh, but... I still, I still think we need to dig in a little further. What is it? I want to give you two definitions, and, I'll, and I promise I'll explain them because they're, you know, they're maybe not exactly clear right offhand. 
First, I think we need to look to the scriptures for a definition of faith. So in Hebrews, the writer of Hebrews says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for and evidence of things not seen. This isn't exactly clear. So it's the assurance of things hoped for. We have hopes in this life, and faith assures us that we can accomplish those somehow. Maybe not by our own means, but we can accomplish them. And then it's the evidence of things not seen. You know, the evidence that, that this thing exists even though it's not apparent. It's not obvious. So that's, that's the definition from, from the scriptures. I think I'll give you another definition from Thomas Aquinas, who's kind of a master of, of good, short definitions that have a lot going on in them. And, and then I want to focus in on that one because I think it's good. So he says, faith is a habit of the mind, of the intellect. So it's a habit, first of all, and, it's, and, it's, and it resides in our mind, which is interesting. Whereby eternal life is begun in us, making the intellect assent to what is not evident. Okay, so that gets a little complicated. So intellect is a habit. It's a thing that we do uh, of the mind. So it's, it's kind of something that resides in, our, in the way we think whereby eternal life has begun in us. Where, so God is in us, and, and, he's, and he's giving us the power to believe and comprehend things that are not evident to us. So we have these two definitions kind of floating around. And so what, what does any of this mean for us? Uh, I think the reason that it's important, first of all, first of all is that I think we, we have been taught... Especially in America, this seems to be the way we think of it. As faith, as, that faith is a leap in the dark. That it's a thing that's somewhat unreasonable. That it's something that, that you know, when someone asks, like, how, how do you get faith? Well, I don't know, it's just like, you just got to take that jump, man. You just got to believe in God no matter what. Uh, and that's, it's not some stupid, vague intuition. That's not faith. We see in Hebrews... That it's evidence of things not seen. When you think of evidence, you don't think of something that's unreasonable. You think of, you think of a scientific study. Now, and that doesn't mean that faith is strictly scientific. We obviously will look into that a little bit. But that it's not unreasonable. We can be assured of that. Uh, I'll give you an example. So Aristotle is an ancient Greek. And he's a fascinating person because he's kind of living in a society of it's certainly like you could say in many ways pre-scientific, but he, he just kind of was a great observer of the world. Uh, and one of my favorite things Aristotle ever said was that the that the joy of eating is in the swallowing, the pleasure of eating is in the swallowing. It's like what what are you talking about, Aristotle? That's why you're the founder of Western civilization. No, he was he was talking about like have, have you ever like chewed up food and then spit it out? Like the least probably the least uh, satisfying thing you'll ever do. So the joy of eating is in the swallowing. I think he must have tested that. He's like, can you just chew up good food and spit it out because it's bad for you and get away with it? No. But what he said that's actually relevant to us today is he concluded just by looking at the world, just by examining the world and everything in it, and then, and then by like the seeking of the truth of things, which we which is the, which we call metaphysics, that 
that not only did God exist, but that there could only be one God. He just concluded that just by thinking it through. Not only does God exist, but there can only be one. And, and that's a really fascinating thing to think about, that, that he didn't need revelation. He didn't have the Old Testament. He didn't have access to that. But he concluded that there was one God. And, and now, so what, how did he think of God? He literally just thought of God as the creator of the universe. That's as far as he could go. Uh, but he concluded that without God revealing anything to him. So, we can arrive, apart from God revealing anything to us, that he exists. But we can't know anything about him. In order to know God, we have to have faith. And so, what, is, what does that mean? That means God's revealing himself to us. It's the only way we can know an infinite God. So faith is something that, that we believe, that we know in our minds, but that God has revealed uh, and gives us the capacity to understand it. Faith and reason don't contradict, but our reason can't reach God by itself. So thus far, this might sound like a lecture, and I don't want it to sound like a lecture. Uh, so... I want to bring it back down to our actual spiritual lives. Why does it matter to know what faith is? Uh, I was talking to a guy at a, at a carol retreat a couple weeks ago that I was at, a men's retreat. He was a non-traditional student. He was an older guy who was going to carol. And he had taken a weekend away from his wife and five kids to go to this retreat, uh, which is a big sacrifice. And I asked him why he had done that. He said it's because he, he had been confirmed when he was about 14, and he realized that he hadn't done anything in his faith since then. He ba- that he basically had the faith of a 14-year-old, uh, even though he's 45 years old. And, and, that, and he found that to be a problem. You know, he, didn't, he hadn't learned anything about who God was since he was a teenager. Uh, and, and the way it works for us isn't that, like, it, doesn't, it isn't even that your faith stays there. It's that we're either moving toward knowing God, or we're moving away from knowing God. That's just how, the, that's just how our lives work. So he, he, was actually like, he was actually losing his faith because he hadn't pursued it in any concrete way. Uh, and so he was on this retreat. And that's something real for us, that coming to know God is, is knowing him in a relationship. It's not just knowing things about him. It's not just about going and reading books about God. Although that's important, it's a relationship when it comes down to it. And Dostoevsky, is a Russian author, says, you, you cannot love what you do not know. So if we don't know God, if we don't, if we don't search him out in faith, if we don't let him reveal himself to us, then we cannot love him. And if we don't love God, we can't love anyone else. Uh, because he's the one who shows us how to love. And so... Faith is the gift of knowing the truth about God. And we have to be constantly working toward that. Or, we'll, or we'll, we'll, we're incapable of, as Paul says, loving or hoping in anything. We can't hope for heaven because God is our only hope for heaven. And if we don't know him, we're not going to get there. We can't love our neighbor as we love God if we don't love God. Because uh, he's the one who shows us how to love. And so when we look at Jeremiah we kind of see this cool example of a, of a young man who is searching for the Lord but just doesn't know him yet, and so he can't trust God's will for him. But if we look later in Jeremiah, uh, it's one of my f- 
favorite passages uh, in the whole book of Jeremiah. He says, Lord, when I discovered your words, I devoured them. They are the joy of my life and my heart's delight. So Jeremiah searched for the Lord. He found his words and he devoured them. And then he came to know the Lord and then was willing to suffer for that great mission that God was calling him to. Uh, And God actually called Jeremiah to die for him, and he did. And it's this, so it's the same with any of us. If we, if, we, if we never seek the Lord out, if we don't let him reveal himself to us in faith and penetrate our mind and our heart, uh, then we're never going to become who we're called to be uh, and we're never going to live our life to the full. But if we actually come to know the Lord, to, if we devour his words, uh, seek him out in every way, uh, in the scriptures and in the teachings of the church, then, and then, most importantly, in prayer. Then we're going to actually have the courage to enter into the plans that, we, that he has for us, the way that Jeremiah did. Uh, and then we'll see a future full of hope. Amen.